This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech fan number 41. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. I'm Tim Robertson. And I'm David Cohen. This week, the HP Touchpad and Cloning. Technology fanatics, I'm Tim Robertson, and with me, as not always, but most of the time, is David Cohen. Hello, David. Hi there, made it this week. Made it this week. So, for those new to the show, again, my name's Tim Robertson. I am uh, the owner of MyMac.com. This podcast is, oh, I guess you'd say it's a it's a network show for the MyMac Podcasting Network, David. It sure is, and uh, we've got many other shows, but... Um this is where we talk about technology in general rather than a specific area. Now, obviously, the name of the show, Tech Fan, is short for Technology Fanatic. And, uh, you know, I, I can't speak for you, David, but I can speak for myself. And I am definitely a technology fanatic. I'm fanatic about technology. I'm just, I can't get enough of it, it seems. Everybody who knows me would say the same thing about yeah. me. I, I am the gadget guy. You are the gadget guy. I, uh, you know, here... here my parent, my uh, my wife's parents, we got them an iPad, oh uh, maybe a year ago, maybe a little less. Uh-uh. I'm not even sure. I think they got it when I was doing Tech Fan, but I could be wrong. But regardless, they brought their iPad over and a CD with pictures that they wanted to put on the iPad. And since we bought it for them, we initially synced the iPad to my computer. And that's just the way it's been. It, it never gets updated unless they bring the iPad over. And this is literally the second time they've brought it over. And I had to add a whole bunch of pictures to it. And it got me thinking how we really do need... I know Apple's coming out with this iCloud thing. We mm-hmm. really do need something like that for everybody that we're connected to selectively that we want to give and get pictures from. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, funnily enough, I, I was playing with Pogo Plug the other day, which is... Um, Pogo Plug? Pogo Plug it used to be a, a hardware device that kind of like a USB drive you plug into your network, and then you could access all the files on it over the internet, okay. including your iPad and your iPhone. They actually released a software version that runs on your Mac um, or your PC that does the same thing, and um, I had a need to get a whole pile of stuff from my home machine, so I... Punk down. I think it's only about $29 for a license for the software for as many machines as you want. And it's really, really cool. Um, but, but again, one of the things it does is it allows you to share pretty much every picture on every machine you connect to your account um, to anybody. Um, you can just select pictures and just kind of send them out, and it will point them to your machine to pick them up, um, which, you know, I think kind of typifies the kind of that requirement you're getting to where you know you have pictures on your devices and you want to be able to send them to people and share them with people in a way that doesn't involve physically emailing or transferring to somebody but just kind of ticking something and saying here they are and uh, people can go and get them yeah and it's just it's seamless that's what we need yeah uh, i wanted to show uh, a coworker a picture this past week and i couldn't because i didn't have it on my iphone and i didn't have it on my ipad but uh, I could have jumped on 
Facebook and showed them that way. But that's still that's not very intuitive, you know? I, I didn't yeah. want to have to log into Facebook, go to my pictures, go to wherever, whatever album I put it in. It's I just wanted to show them a picture, you know? Yeah. Uh, so here's kind of a, a neat little thing uh, for our first subject. We got two subjects today. First thing is going to be the HP touchpad. We've talked about it briefly in the past, but I actually have one now and a few accessories to go with it. So that's going to be the first segment. And the second segment, David, is going to be, um, what did we end up calling this? It's it's the, the technology in movies that doesn't exist? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, I think it's kind of, um, you know, movie movie technology possibilities. You know, we see all this stuff all the time in, in movies and TV shows. And how real is some of it? And uh, how, how long do we think it is before we'll be able to do some of this stuff? And we picked a movie, and that movie this week is going to be Starman. And we'll get to that in the second segment. But the first segment is going to be all about the HP touchpad and touchpad type of devices, iPads, those things in general. And I have to say, uh, right off the bat, I wanted to show this coworker a picture. And it wasn't on my iPhone, wasn't on my iPad. However, with the touchpad, it has a picture application. And it will actually seamlessly tie in to Flickr, to... Um, Facebook, all of that. So it's already there. I'd already synced it. Not on the computer, yeah. just on the device. So I pulled up the touchpad, and there was a picture exactly that I wanted to show them. That was pretty nice. Very and, good. And that's yeah. the way it should be. Now, of course, this is based off of the WebOS, which was the operating system that Palm purchased. Or did they develop it, or did they purchase it? I think that uh, they... I- I think they developed it for the for the pre yeah. series, and um, and then HP purchased them and so acquired it. This, I, everybody keeps asking me when I first got this. I was posting some pictures on Twitter, uh, talking about it a little bit last week, and people kept asking me how does it compare to the iPad, and when you. Put the two devices next to each other, not in a case, just laying flat on a table. Now, David, I have the first-generation iPad. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say they're identical, but they're definitely siblings of the same family. (laughs) Inspired by? Well, uh, probably a little bit more than that. Yeah. But there are definitely some things I like about the touchpad all software-related, that I wish the iPad would ape. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, and this is the, the, the kind of the canned answer I've been giving people, when they say, how does it compare to the iPad? I say it's about 60% there. Yeah. Um, but 60% there, that means there's 40% difference. And that 40% difference is a huge thing. It's It's... I don't know if HP can close the gap. Right. But if anybody can, any of these tablet manufacturers, the Android devices, the all these, um, what's the BlackBerry one, the, the Playbook. The playbook. Yeah. yeah. If, if anybody can close that gap, I think it's going to be HP. Um, mostly because they control both the hardware and the software. And David, I personally think that's the key. Um, and we actually talked about this on the very first episode of TechFan, which I just yeah. reviewed recently. And we were talking about 
the iTunes Music Store and iPhones and iPads and why that was so successful. And it was because Apple controls the entire ecosystem. Yeah. In this case, HP controls the entire ecosystem, but there's some huge gaps missing. Well, I mean, the ecosystem is... The thing with the iTunes store is the, the con- part of the ecosystem is the content. Um, and with the iTunes store and the, uh, the, the movie store and, and, and rentals and that sort of thing, obviously the content is the same for everybody. It is TV shows, it is music, it is movies. But the differentiator on the tablet is applications. And, of course, while HP might control the app store for the uh, touchpad, it's got to have some apps in it. Yeah. What's this, the application landscape look like on WebOS? Mm. Well, <laughs> it, it's not anemic. But it's not great. For the most part, they've got the big major apps. Um, But their app store actually looks more impressive than what it really is because it's not just HP touchpad. It's also all the phone apps that you could have bought beforehand for the pre. Mm So, and you... The only way to really know it is to look on the far right-hand side of each listing, and it will say for HP Touchpad if it's for that device. So if you don't notice that and you purchase or get a free app, and I haven't purchased anything yet, I'll be honest, I've only got free stuff. Um, the app itself, if it's, a, if it's from a pre, will be very small, the size of a pre-screen. Pre-screen. Uh, <laughs> that just kind of dawned yeah. on me. Uh, it, it'll be that size on your touchpad. Whereas if you download an iPhone-only app on your iPad, you have that little button that says 2X and it will blow it up to full screen. That option does not exist on the touchpad. That's unfortunate. And I don't know why. I'm like, why Why wouldn't you give me the, the option to fill my screen with this app? That it, it seems something that would be easily fixed, and maybe they're going to do that? Well, well, maybe it's a limitation of the software they're running that it's just not designed to be able to do that. If you, I mean, you think about it, it's, it's not just a simple... You're not, you don't just scale up the graphics. You have to scale up the touch interface areas and everything. Um, while, you know, certainly on the iPad, where there are other parts of the operating system that aren't scaled up, obviously the bar at the top and, and that sort of thing isn't scaled up. So it, it's... Perhaps not as simple as we think it is. You could be um, right. And ma- yeah, maybe maybe WebOS just for, for one reason or another just has, doesn't have the facility built in to do that. In the very first generation, when the iPad first came out, there wasn't a whole lot of iPad apps, but the App Store itself was already wickedly popular with iPhone stuff. So the very first version of the iPad had that right out the gate. Yeah, you know, I, Apple I said we've got this huge library. Let's make it as easy as possible and to look as good as possible for all these apps that people already buy. I think I think that part is also is important. But I think what's also important if you don't have a lot of apps is making sure the built-in software is very very strong. Um, and one of the things that iOS has always had right from the beginning, because let's face it, when the iPhone came out, there was no app store. There were no apps. Um, yet it had a very strong and functional set of built-in applications. I mean, what's it like on the touchpad? Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, we'll get into that. Let me start with the, the actual hardware itself. The, the, the touchpad, the back of it, if you can hear that, mm-hmm. that's the back of it. It's plastic. And it right. doesn't have the fit 
and finish of an iPad, not even a first-generation iPad. Um, the little on-off switch at the top, pretty much exactly the same place that the iPad has one, and the iPhone yeah. for that matter. If you hold it down, you could turn off the device and hold it down and you turn on the device. That button, at least on mine, uh, it, it's up a little bit higher than the rest of it, of the rest of the case, which is fine, but it's not completely straight. I.e., the right-hand corner of that button is a little bit taller than the left-hand side of that button when you're looking at it from the front. Which makes it feel cheap. Which makes it feel a little bit cheap, yes. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think you're kind of homing in on a, on a lot of things that... Yeah. This is one of the problems I think manufacturers face when you're competing with Apple, is that Apple spends probably spends so much time reviewing the feel of buttons yep. and the quality of buttons and how long they're going to last and everything, and they will make engineering decisions for their devices based on those those factors. You know, we'll because they're premium priced. Um, and yet, at the same time, they're really driving their manufacturing margins down. They can afford to make buttons that are, you know, really feel silky and, and good quality when you press them. That just gives that subtle, very faint feeling to the user that you're using something that's premium. It's a, it's a quality piece of hardware. And the way that, you know, I, I, my iPad, I had it in a um, kind of a, an all-encasing in, rubber case up until recently. And I took it off. Um, I got a folio case cheap in a sale, um, and I took it off and put it in the kind of the folio foldover case. And I, I, you know, having not really seen anything but the screen my iPad for a long time, I was absolutely blown away when I started handling it again and how well put together it is. And and that, you know, if you don't have that, then it's the kind of the difference between, you know, a quality German car, the interior, and uh, you know a. a a Korean hatchback. Functionally, they're both the same things, but one just feels a lot much nicer to use than the other. Absolutely, I totally agree. But it goes beyond that. It, it's not. It's Apple, like you said. Apple really does spend a lot of time on little things like that. The volume rocker switch. It's it's just a little plasticky piece of crap. It. it, it okay, look. The the one on the iPad is plastic too. Oops, hit the microphone there. <laughs> but there's such a difference. It, there really is. Now, the yeah. speaker ports, they're terrible on this thing. They're just, they're like cutouts. However, mm. the audio quality itself is much better without using headphones. Just the actual sound that comes out of the device itself is much better than the iPad. The, yeah, which, again, is, is interesting. But you know what? I, I find myself with my iPad. I never listen to it. Uh, I do music. with games sometimes. With games, yeah, but not with music or video. No. I've always got the headphones in. So uh, it's interesting that, that HP chose to take kind of, you know, because obviously they have to invest in certain areas to optimize the hardware. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that they kind of put it that way. Um, you know, that's one area that they put it, put it towards is the quality of the speakers. Now, the black background, the black plastic background, the black case... Mm -hmm. is just a fingerprint magnet like I've never seen on any device ever. It almost looks like abstract art after you've been holding it for <laughs> 20 minutes. It's it's just it's crazy. Does uh, it clean up easily? It does. It does with yeah. a little chamois rag just like an iPad. Yeah. But still. Uh now HP did send over 
and um, full disclosure, I didn't pay for this, although it is mine to keep. <laughs> uh, they did send over a prototype case, which I refuse to use because it is the worst case I've ever seen. And HP is aware of it, and they're not actually going to be selling the case that they sent me. So, right. thank goodness, because it's it's just terrible. But yeah, that, but there's a problem in that if you buy one of these, you're not going to be able to buy a case for it then, uh, unless until they come out with something else, because you won't be able to. No, there's third party uh, cases out there. Yeah, well, yeah, but I bet not very many. Uh, I, cer- no, I certainly wouldn't. I not compared to first- an iPad. Exactly. You know, you can go into pretty much any any electronics store anywhere and buy Apple cases because yep. they're so popular. I mean, these are the these are the sort of that I'd, and I don't want to just dis, dis this product, but you know, these are the I think when people kind of uh, have a a mindset which says I don't want to buy the default, I don't want to buy the one everyone has, I want to get something a little bit different. I think these are the things you need to kind of factor into that decision. It's not just the device itself and the software on everything, it's all these other bits and pieces. You know, if you lose the cable for it, can you get another one? If um, if you want a two or three different styles of case for it is there a choice and where do you get those from and that sort of thing you need to be thinking about that absolutely i agree with you um this now let's get to the probably the most important physical aspect of this device that most people are going to see right away and that's the screen Mm -hmm. the front of the screen looks really good it's got a great viewing angle uh very comparable to the ipad um I think the screen is a little bit better than the uh, a couple of the Android devices that I played with in Best Buy. Yeah. Um, it's it's not bad at all. It has a front-facing camera, so you can do, like, Skype calls and stuff. But it does not have a rear-facing camera like the iPad 2 does. So that's something to take into consideration. The front button yeah. is in the same spot as the iPad, as, in, as is the uh, front-facing camera. But the button is an oval shape. It's not a round shape. And it's recessed just a little bit. And when you rub your finger over it, you can kind of feel the edges. Uh-huh. And the button itself feels kind of cheapy. It doesn't feel like a a solid button. You know what I mean? I can't I can't describe it any better than that. It just it doesn't feel as good. And it's really difficult to see because it blends in with the bezel just perfectly. <laughs> so you can't yeah. see it. Uh, so you really have to kind of push in to get the button to react. Now, to unlock your screen, getting into the software, it has this little lock button on the front face of the uh, device, and you just slide it outside of a little, another little circle. As soon as you touch it, this other circle, and it says yeah. drag to unlock. So you could just drag it in any direction. As, long, as soon as you get outside that circle, boom, it's it's unlocked. I'm not going to say the the iPads are right. is any better. It's just a different metaphor, and I think they both work. But what yeah. I really like, my thing, this thing is asleep right now. Okay, when I yeah. touch the button to wake it up, it's giving me notifications on my sleep screen. So I've got eight emails, and I've got three Facebook uh, messages, or someone that's commented on Facebook. So immediately before I even unlock the screen, I'm seeing my notifications. That's brilliant. Yep. I love that. And I think that's been a feature in iOS right from the st- in, sorry in WebOS right from the beginning. Yep. Now, um, what think- what they also sent with this, David? Oh, notifications. Let's let's be honest. Apple's 
done a terrible job with notifications. Well, yeah, it but looks they are like, revised. They're revising right, it in the next version. Right. We'll see what iOS five until it's actually released. I'm not even going to talk about it. It's vaporware yeah. until I have it in my hands. So the other devices they they sent, other than the terrible case, they sent a Bluetooth keyboard for it, which, quite honestly, I have not even taken out of the box yet. It's where is it? I put it. Oh, here it is. It's a. Uh, uh, a wireless keyboard. That's all. Just It's a Bluetooth wireless keyboard. A little black keyboard. It looks nice. I will eventually take it out and play with it with the touchpad to see how it works. And yeah. when I do that, I'll give you guys an update on the show. But I, it's but, uh, it's a wireless I mean, keyboard. Being, yeah, I mean, being, <laughs> being Bluetooth, if it supports the general Bluetooth profile, you should be able to use any wireless keyboard with it. Oh, absolutely. And I should be able yeah, to use so. this wireless keyboard with anything else. Yeah. So those things are nice, but the one thing that really sets the touchpad apart from the iPad that it's a peripheral that Apple simply doesn't have anything like this and they immediately need to do this because it's amazing. It's called the Touchstone charging dock. It has an adjustable stand in the back. The charging dock itself is kind of shaped, kind of an L shaped. It has a little lip on the bottom. Yeah. You simply put your touchpad on top, you know, on it, and it's holding it up, kind of like a picture frame, and it starts charging your device. So no connection. At no all. connection just, at all. There's not even contacts on the back. This is just pure inductive charging. Inductive charge. It's and it is amazing. Now here's the neat thing. I just put it on here, and yeah. instead of my screen just staying black. It actually switches to kind of a screensaver mode, and the default is a clock. So I could look. I, I just put it on there. It says August fifth, twenty eleven. That's when we're recording the show, and it has the time ten forty four a.m. But it's not just one clock, David. It's three different clocks, and I can swipe it to show the three different clocks options. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But the menu bar also shows up, so I can see how much charge is there. It has my Facebook and my email statuses. Uh, it shows screen lock is on. It shows that it's on Wi-Fi. It, it's it's great. Yeah. In that situation, have, it's fantastic. I have um I have a similar kind of clock application I run on my iPad when I'm away, um and similar sort of thing though. Obviously, it's not wireless. I do tend to plug the iPad into charge so I can leave it on overnight, right. and then I can leave it on set dim and uh, you know, screen dims automatically based on the time but with this uh, i could put I, if i bought two of these touchstone charging docks i can leave one by the computer where i'm usually at and i can leave one next to my bed and simply take the touchpad yeah. put it there and there's the clock there's a clock yeah it's um yeah it was great technology they're not particularly cheap though no they're not <laughs> you know i didn't look to see uh i've got i'm i'm, I'm looking on the hp site now they're 80 dollars for the dock yeah and you know what though it's worth every penny you can get one for yeah. seventy four thirty eight us dollars on amazon worth and every penny yeah it really you can is get, you can get similar things for the ipad kind of like a, a case with the with the inductive part in that kind of connects the dock connector i've seen them a, a mat that you can put the thing on, but it's not really the same. And and, and I would imagine, I mean, let's face it, Apple are, are doing everything they can. They hate cables, so I would imagine that at some point in the future we'll see this sort of technology on the iPad. What, what would be great is if Apple had something like this that will connect via Bluetooth to your Mac. Yeah. So as soon as I put it on there, 
it shows up in iTunes and starts syncing or whatever. To be honest with you, the way I would see some the way Apple doing this is they they kind of do the wireless charging but without the dock. Probably. They, I would imagine they would prefer to have something where they just set up a field and when the iPad is in the field, it's charging rather than need to actually put it on a device. So, put I don't the know field what, in the in, a, in Max. So put if the field you're in the Max or around the dock charging. or something like that. And so as, as soon as the device is anywhere near that, then it starts to charge. It, um, I got to say, though, that this charging, this touchstone charging dock in com- combination with the touchpad is really, really great. Now, do they bundle one of those with the no. device? No, they don't. So it's always an extra. It's always an extra. It's an extra. What comes yeah. with it is a micro USB cable and a wall plug. That's right. quite well designed. I, I got to give them credit for that. It, it looks really nice. But if you're if you're seriously considering getting a touchpad, really get the Touchtone charging dock. It's it's fantastic. It really is. One thing it doesn't say here on the site is whether that dock will also charge a pre if you have one. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. And I have no plans <laughs> you know, to get it. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't no, but say. I, I think that, that's all part of it as well. There's an awful lot of people who have both iPads and iPhones, and I wonder whether... You know, I mean, really, to to go back to the ecosystem thing, it makes these sort of devices make more sense if you, if everything is running the same OS because it's much much easier to interoperate between them. Absolutely. So, if you have a touchpad, it may make sense of looking at a pre phone as well. So I unlike my screen, and I'm dumped into a view that shows kind of this blue black ground, uh, kind of like the the Mac OS where it has kind of the ribbony blue flowy things, and yeah. I'm presented with a kind of a dock, like on the Mac, at the bottom of your screen, and it shows a couple of applications, but one of them is kind of this up arrow home type of button. If you click that, now you have your list of all your applications, just the little mini, what do you call it, icons, like you would on when you first start up an, uh, an iPad. Yeah. It simply doesn't look as good. It looks clunky. But let's be honest, it gets the job done. To launch applications, you just click the button and it launches. And that's fine. Uh, When you're inside an application, you just push the home button. It goes back to this. It's called the card screen, I guess. Yeah. And it shows your open applications. And it's like mini windows. To quit an application on an HP touchpad is so much better than on the iOS platform. Mm-hmm. So I go to my card view, and I just... I don't know if you... Let me turn up the volume a little bit here. This is the sound it makes, by the way, when it's you turn up the volume. That's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, to get rid of an application that's running, I just take the window and swipe it up my screen. Can you hear it? Listen. Yeah. Very similar to the yeah. sound to the iPad. Yeah. And the application is closed. I just swipe it up, and it's gone. Now, do that, you need to do a lot of closing, or is it pretty good on the memory management? It's pretty good on the memory management. Um, I've yet to find a site, however, that is Flash-related that will really allow me to use this device using Flash. It has Flash. Uh, my daughter, Brooke, has this game that she likes to play on my Mac called the Webkins or something like that. It's like little puppies, and but it's a Flash game. 
and she plays it in Safari on my Macintosh. Well, I thought, well, with the WebOS, I can I can use Flash. So I, I updated the whole WebOS, made sure everything was the most current versions of everything. I went to Webkin, signed her in, and it just didn't work right. It, it was just, if it worked at all, it was stuttery, and my I noticed the battery went down almost immediately. Yeah. Um, and I still have yet... Now, all those little noises you hear, I think someone's trying to chat with me. Um, yeah, someone's trying to chat with me. Sorry. <laughs> I have to turn this thing off soon. Um, I haven't really ran this down to, to really ch- test the battery life of this thing. Yeah. So I can't really comment on that. Uh, it has a little pictures icon that if I click, it's in my dock and you can put stuff in your dock and move stuff out of your dock. Your most current applications, the ones that you want to use all the time, you can put right in there and have quick access to them. Um, the pictures app is the one that you could sync all your different online things with. Right. And And it just works. And that's brilliant. You know, I'm looking at, I, I, I downloaded the beta of the Kindle app for it. Mm-hmm. It works exactly the same way as it does on the iPad. It sees all my books. It automatically downloaded the books that I had on my iPad. Um, and I did check to see if I was at a certain spot on the iPad or the computer. It synced fine with the touchpad. I was in the same spot. So that works exactly the same. Yeah. But probably the big thing, David, is the web browser. If you're going to use a touchpad device... Probably the thing you're going to use more than anything else is a web browser, yes? Uh, I, I agree with that. I think most people, you have, to, to me, there are two kind of markets for tablets. There are the, um, you know, I want a, a, you know, a kind of something bigger than an iPhone that runs apps and, and allows me to do everything that I do with my Mac or my PC. And that's one type of user. And then it's the other type of user who are non computer type people who say, well, I just want to be able to do my internet stuff on it, my email. Um, and so the quality of the browser is going to be very important for both those groups. The quality of the browser on the touchpad is decent, but in nowhere at all near the league of Safari on the iPad or the iPhone. It's just, it works, but there's no real good bookmark management there's one button that you click and it shows your bookmarks and you just scroll to the bottom forever and ever and ever to look for something. So if you have a lot of bookmarks, good luck. Whereas with the iPad, there's management in there. You can, there is though, though I have to say, I don't think Safari's um... brilliant there. It's always struck me as a little bit of an afterthought really. Um, And uh, the fact that, you know, you can't put JavaScript, bookmark that's into it it still frustrates me on the iPad there is no um, swiping to on an iPad if I swipe really fast up the screen like in a web browser it will go really fast and then slow down and stop right yeah Um, kind of like inertial inertial swiping yes inertial swiping that doesn't exist on the the, uh, touchpad now I can double click and bring stuff up just like on the iPad so I can see the text and it looks better or I could do the yeah. kind of the two-finger pinch to make things better. So all that works, but when you do it, 
and you do it you do the exactly the same thing on the iPad right next to it and I was doing side by side comparisons on the iPad it's just really smooth mm. and it's kind of jittery and not very smooth on the touchpad so so I'm kind of detecting a theme here <laughs> you know, everything yeah everything, everything is, is better is, everything is is there is there the same way it is for the iPad it's just not really anywhere near as good as it is on the iPad yeah to be fair, if the iPad did not exist and we didn't have the iPhone yeah. and someone gave me this, I would think this was one of the greatest devices of all time. Yeah. But it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And do you think, I don't know, you haven't reviewed the Android tablets in detail, but do you think it's better than an Android tablet? Yes. I haven't, I haven't used them ex- as extensively now as I have the HP touchpad, but yeah. I have used them, other people's and in stores for extended periods of time, sitting at Best Buy for 20 minutes playing with one. I like it better than the Android devices. See, I find it interesting. I've been looking at reviews of these devices and also some of the new Android devices, and a lot of reviewers don't even bother to compare them to the iPads. They basically you know, say, well, there's the iPad, and then there's everything else. Yep. And then they say, and, and this is where this device sits in everything else. Yes. Um, and <laughs> you know, I kind of like... It's a back it's a backhanded compliment to the iPad, obviously, but yeah. I, I don't live I own an iPad. So I have to compare look, the, the, and, this is and a thirty two go ahead. Yeah, I I, and I I agree with you because I think from a consumer decision point of view, there are two decisions to be made, not one. The first decision is once you decide you want the tablet, is do I buy an iPad or do do I buy something else? That's just a single decision. Yep. Yeah. It's like, do I want to get into Apple or do I not? Yeah. If you don't and you decide that for whatever reason you don't want to buy an iPad, then the second decision is, okay, there are 15, 20 different tablet devices that aren't iPads. Which of those is the one I should buy? Yep. <laughs> that's kind of where a lot of people are coming from in their reviews. They're saying, well, let's just kind of do that. What you're doing is saying, well, should you buy this or an iPad? Right. And um, sounds to me what's saying is, well, Buy unless you have some sort of, yeah, unless you have some sort of religious conviction that, that prevents you from uh, buying iPads, then um, then you should buy an iPad. Look, look, this uh, the one I have is the 32 gigabyte Wi-Fi version, right? Yeah. $599. The same thing on the iPad is $699. So the iPad is 100 bucks more. And in fact, hasn't, hasn't there been some... Recently, I've seen the last week or so some temporary or permanent price cuts again. I haven't seen them myself. I'm pretty sure HP's doing fifty dollars off. Okay, and I think uh, and I think Best Buy has had some temporary uh, further hundred dollars off, which would be a, so, a good price. Four ninety nine for this is so. Let, let's go with four ninety nine. And I, uh, so to me, this is the thing I've always thought: if you're not an iPad and you aren't doing things as well as an iPad, the only place you can compete is price. Yes, particularly if. If in terms of quality feel, the device doesn't feel as, as well built, as well put together, or the software doesn't feel as well rendered as the iPad does. To me, the only argument you can then say is, okay, well, you know, we're doing 80% the iPad experience for uh, 80% the cost. To me, that's a, a valid argument. Mm. <laughs> for, let me, let people, me put it this way. If, if, we need, if, we if need to appreciate that, that there are people who whatever reason are extremely price conscious and would rather buy something cheaper today than save up and buy the premium product tomorrow that's that's the case i think if this is 199 or 149 compared to 
spec-wise, the 599 iPad. But we're, yeah. n- we're not talking about that. We're talking about, yeah. even even at the $100 discount that you've seen out there, a 499 touchpad versus a 699 iPad. I still think 499 is still a premium price. Oh, I agree. It's That's a half a thousand dollars. Yeah, and you can buy a, a full Windows laptop for that Absolutely. Money. So, At that uh, price point you, against the iPad, there's still no comparison. There's yeah, just not. I, I, I agree with you, but I think I think I think we do need to recognise that there are people who are in the market for a tablet who just decide that the iPad is too expensive and would want something cheaper. And unfortunately, um, there are devices down the hundred ninety nine, two hundred ninety nine mark, but they are so paired back on features and, and capability that they're just you know they are they're actually a waste of money. It's like buying you know a cheap screwdriver; it, it will just break the first time you use it. You know. Yep, I um, totally agree. So, so that's kind of the the situation. I, I, I feel in some ways I feel for HP because I think we are. There's been quite a lot of reports in the press recently about how Apple really has locked up the manufacturing chain. You know, they use their incredible you know um, muscle and, and buying power, and also the fact that they're designing everything themselves pretty much from scratch in terms of the physicals of the device. I'm not talking about the components. Sure. To really lock down the cost of manufacture to the point that they can still make on a on a five hundred five hundred dollar iPad, they can still make a twenty percent margin. Um, you know, HP will not be making anything like twenty percent on a touchpad, um, and that that means that they they have effectively they they kind of you know they want to get down way below the ipad price they have to make a loss on each one so the a couple other things when you touch the device it kind of puts this like a little ring around your finger like it's a physical this is where you just touched it right yeah i don't get that at all i touched it there of course i know where i touched it you don't have to tell me where i touched it i touched it um it yeah. It's a weird design decision. It's like what I don't need to know what I touched. I touched it. Maybe that's a good idea on a pre on a on a three inch screen, but this is an almost ten inch screen. I you don't have to show yeah. me where I touched it. I touched it. It's it's, it's weird. It is, it is strange that, but maybe um, I don't know. Maybe they. The first time I did I it, I thought, "Oh, that's kind of neat." But then the third time yeah. I did it, I'm like, I know where I touched. Stop. It, and, it just seems like a does waste. The, does, the, does the ring around it kind of um, does it block anything off? I mean, is it, is it kind of like a, like a graphical effect, like, kind of like a warp no. or something like that? Does it, or does it actually prevent you from seeing things? Well, your finger prevents you from seeing things. I mean, you're well, touching I, it. Yeah, but that's kind, of, that's kind of my point. I mean, one It's of the almost like water ripples. It's almost kind of a, a, a right, little okay. splat. You throw a stone into a, a lake, and that gives that little bit of a ripple. Right. That's so basically kind of what like it is. A, yeah, so it's a warp. It's kind of like a warp effect. Yeah, but it, it so, doesn't actually um, warp. It's, it's more like just gray rings that spread out from the tip of your finger. Oh, right, thumb. so they actually move. Yes. Can you turn it off? I don't know. I haven't figured out how. Um, if you if you tap on different places at once, do the ripples kind of interact? And <laughs> no, no, it only works with one touch. If you do two touches, I'm doing it with my thumbs right now, touching at the same yeah. time on two different. Then I don't get the little things. So it sounds sounds to me like something somebody worked up for a, a, a showreel presentation. He got left in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's going, "Hey, was cool, man." If anybody out there knows why that's there and why that's a good idea, let me know. I can't figure out why it's a good idea. Um, it doesn't feel as accurate when I click something. 
when I'm like if I just touched a link on the MyMax website, where I touched and where it feels like it registered where I touched feels a little off. If that makes sense, that's uh, not good. No, it's not. I I opened up Facebook in the web browser on both devices and I went to a picture. And I made both pictures basically full screen by pinching and zooming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did this in a dark room, and I did this in a very bright room. And I laid them side by side in landscape mode. And I'm looking at the same picture on the iPad. This is the first generation iPad, remember. And yeah. the HP touchpad. And I asked a, a couple different people to look at the pictures and tell me which one it looks better on. And to a man, actually there's a woman too, but to a person... <laughs> They all picked the iPad. It just looked better. The colors were more vibrant. It seemed brighter, but just a little bit, but enough where you notice. It was just better on the iPad. So, you know, as we record new uh, tech fans going in the future, uh, I'll, I'll update you guys on the HP touchpad. For instance, there was an update this morning. I don't know what it updated, but it, it popped up saying there was an update, and it took about 15 minutes to download and install. Um, I, I don't know what the, the, that was for. Unlike the iPad, where every little change to the OS is reported on a thousand different websites, uh, yeah. I couldn't find anything online when I looked briefly to find out what this update to the uh, web OS was. So, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, you're going to get a lot more information with the iPad. Uh, there are some things the iPad doesn't do as well as the touchpad, but for the most part, those are minor things. And yeah. if it was my money, I'd buy the iPad. Let's, with that comment in mind, though, let's just make one thing clear. I think both of both yourself and myself are of the same opinion here, which is we are very keen to see a real competitive ipad competitor come along let me let me let me expand on that for one second before we take our break because we we're we're, we're getting a little long in tooth on this first segment i do want to talk about our our other segment here quite honestly i hope this is my hope hp sinks a lot of money into the touchpad devices and the web os and they just keep selling them and they keep making it better and better and better. But more importantly, they don't even look at sales figures for two years. Yeah. They don't even look at it. We don't care how many it's selling or how many it's not selling. Just We're just going to make it better and better and better. And in two years, we'll start paying attention to the sales figures and see if this is a viable market for us. Yeah, they need to basically take the approach Microsoft did with the Xbox. Yep. Which is to just you know keep on iterating it, improving it, building up the platform, and, it and will everything. find a market, and then uh, and yeah, and then and then one day, yeah, the thing will have an established market, rather than thinking they're they're going to hit it out of the park on on day one, which is basically what Apple managed to do. Yep. So with that, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, we're going to come back with a new segment: technology in movies. Hey, this is Travis Bryce from the geekiest show ever. And yep, you guessed it, GSE is back. Maybe not better than ever, but it's listenable. We talk about great things such as old video games. We'll talk about our podcasting setup. And uh, we'll talk about why nickels are the greatest invention ever. So uh, give us a listen. Geekiest show ever. 
Only on the My Mac Podcasting Network. You stay golden, pony boy. Apple, the final frontier. These are the adventures of the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Their mission to seek out new topics and talk about how amazing they are. To use soundboard in ways never intended. Boldly going where no person has gone before. Or would want to. What are you going on about, Guy? Uh, I'm just talking about the MyMac.com podcast. (laughs) And you can't do it without blatantly ripping off an old science fiction show. Look, folks, just go to iTunes, do a search for the MyMac.com podcast, subscribe, and listen to one of the most original-sounding Mac podcasts there are. It's only logical. Didn't Spock have a full head of hair? Oh, now you're just being mean. And we're talking about technology in movies with this segment. And today we're going to talk about Starman, and particularly cloning as, a po- as, as it plays in the plot of Starman. Because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, plot of Starman is uh, kind of uh, real kind of fancy fiction. It's all about, you know, magic balls and, and energy spheres and that sort of thing. But cloning is the real kind of the... It's, it's what kind of kicks the story off and drives through the uh, the reason that the protagonists actually do what they do. He got he so, got magic um, he got magic balls after cloning. <laughs> kind of. You got to have magic balls to clone. <laughs> if, you, if you think about if you think about what happens to the final act, that's probably quite a mm. fair statement. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. Uh, so, for yeah. those who haven't seen it, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the movie some, but mostly we're going to be focusing on the technology. But you have to talk about the movie to talk about the technology. Yeah. This was a movie released in 1984. So, if you don't want us to spoil it for you, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's been waiting to see it. <laughs> it's, it's almost 30 years old. So, uh, it, and it's been a long time. I've seen this movie a number of times, David. I, I've always enjoyed it. Um, and it was one of those kind of movies that kind of slip on the radar, under the radar. No one ever puts it on their best, you know, blah, blah, blah movies. But I think, I think, yeah, I mean, Jeff Bridges, he's brilliant. In it. For, he was nominated for an Academy Award for this movie. I mean, I mean, that's that that's how good. I mean, that's that's really when he's st- I know that everyone remembers him now for kind of the dude and, and that sort of thing. But really, this was when he really started to show the world that he had some real acting chops. Yes. And uh, up I think until this movie, a, he was probably best known for the King Kong remake in 1979. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he's he, throughout his career, he's been a fairly underrated actor. And I think not anymore. This, this is. Well, not anymore, but certainly, uh, you know, in the early parts of his career. And I think this was really when he uh, kind of put his stamp on the on the movie business. And, uh, yeah, it is one of those... I, I love John Carpenter's movies, and um, I think this is one of the more underrated movies in the genre. So the premise of the movie is um, it, it opens up, you see the Voyager spacecraft flying through space, 
and it's playing these uh, messages that were loaded onto. It's got a Rolling Stone song. I, I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah. It's got greetings from Earth. It's got some video, and it gets swallowed up by some light, and it shows the spacecraft in this light being examined. The next thing we see is this ball of light heading towards Earth. Now, that's all within the first literally minute of the movie. So immediately they jump right into it and you immediately know what's going on. And as this thing is streaking to Earth, it cuts to our other main character, which is Karen Allen, another actress who I think a lot of people don't recognize the name, but they recognize her every single time they see her. She was in Indiana Jones. She was in uh, Scrooged. She was in yeah. Starman. She's a beautiful actress. And we, we, the movie picks up with her watching an old reel-to-reel family video 8mm thing. Obviously, it's her dead husband because she's sitting there watching her and her husband on the screen. She's alone. She's drinking. She's smoking. She's almost yeah. crying. And she says to herself, don't do this to yourself again. And uh, so it's established just immediately. She's a widow. And there's an alien coming. The alien That's spacecraft right. is shot down uh, over Wisconsin. And this ball of light goes out, um, finds her house, examines the house and the contents. It's obviously, David, some kind of a life form. Yeah. But all we see is light. And then we switch to a point of view from within the light. So we see what whatever this thing is looking at. And it starts looking through a photo album. And it comes across uh, some hair in this photo album. And, and the light literally moves into the hair. And you see it examining, which we assume is like DNA, David. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the premise of this movie. This alien then, I don't know what, it, it clones... A human yeah, body I mean, that, from that. That's that's basically basically what he you know later on in the film he explains that's what he did is that he uses the information in the hair to create a, a, a clone duplicate of a dead husband. Yes, um, and then um, of course Karen Allen is somewhat freaked out when she sees her dead husband walking around the house. Yes, uh, and of course you know he you get the fish out of water type of thing. You know he doesn't. He doesn't know anything. Except it's a great scene when from, she, when she yeah. wakes up from the bedroom. She hears a noise and goes out because she hears it sounds like this little mewling sound. She goes out and there's this little baby. Although it's really bad CGI, it looks kind of like some horror film baby, and it morphs and it ages very very quickly into her, you know, late twenties, early thirties, Jeff Bridges' husband. And yeah. It, so they, she then, freaks out and yeah. passes out, and yeah, and and they then effectively he kind of half kidnaps her, but they have to get across the states to uh, he communicates with his craft to say he's been shot down, and there's a it then turns in kind of an Canadian chase movie as they try and get get to the landing point to uh, and fish out of water is definitely uh, apt. I mean he he tries to drive probably the the, yeah. the funniest thing in the movie is. She's she freaks out because he goes through a red light really fast, and he says, which is, his, "Which is her fault because he's just copied what he's seen her right. do because she was trying to get away from him." Well, no, it's because he he was observing her and he says, "You know, green light go, red light stop, yellow light drive very fast yeah. <laughs> to avoid the red light." So <laughs> it, it was funny. I like that part of the movie. Um, 
but let's let's so that's the movie and it's got somewhat of a happy ending we won't spoil the ending for you no but the idea of an alien form coming down finding just hair and growing a body what do you think well um, we can we can do we can do cloning now i don't think anyone's ever tried human cloning but certainly the processes that that be, we use to create Dolly the sheep, the famous first cloned sh- uh, sheep, um, could be used to clone a human. But the way we do it requires um, eggs. It requires um, you know DNA and and eggs, which are the uh, obviously what what all and all the uh, you know mammalians grow out of, in order to to produce the DNA in a form that will then replicate cells and and produce an identical uh, creature. What what he does is he uses hair. Now, technically speaking, hair itself, kind of, if you cut off a piece of hair, that doesn't have any DNA in it. It's just keratin, um, a keratin protein. The, if you pull the hair out at the root, then the follicle that often comes out the end of the hair ha- will have some DNA in it. And that's often how um, DNA analysis is done from hair, is that most hairs, when they fall out, they all, f- they all fall out with some cells, um, that that will have some DNA in, but you can't. Uh, obviously, this is the early '80s when this this was was not well understood. But you just from a cut off lock of hair, I don't think you'd be able to clone a, a creature, even if you had the technology of replicating um, the cells in such a way that that to make them grow into a creature as opposed to just be a ball of cells. Uh, the other thing, of course, is that. He's an alien. He presumably doesn't have a blueprint to uh, know how a human should look and, and grow and how each cell needs to change and differentiate. And it, I'm not clear, you know, without without having kind of that, how he would be able to, to do that and certainly grow into a fully grown man um, as opposed to the baby he starts out at. Um, yeah, there's some fantastic science you know. at work there, but when you're talking about alien technology... I completely bought it. And as far as you can't clone from a, a strand of hair, I agree, but it, it's a big bundle of hair there. So let's assume there are some cells. Um, and as it goes into a follicle of hair, let's just also assume that it, it actually found a, you know, a skin cell, and that's actually what it went into. So mm-hmm. it has the ability to create this body with its own intelligence um accelerated aging i mean there there's actually diseases on earth that promote accelerated growth uh as yeah. far as knowing how to exactly at what point of development of this body to stop at he actually watches a little bit of the movie that she was watching yeah. when he first gets there before he even clones so he he's got an idea of it and we also have to assume that he is an advanced Species, he's probably a lot smarter than everybody else on the planet. Yeah, I mean, you need, you you need. A, I mean, the fact he does all of this without um, any sort of apparent technology at all, apart from yeah, there's no test goes. tubes, there's no lab, there's no there's no machinery, there's no devices. Um, you know, which kind of saves on the film's budget. Obviously, they only construct all this stuff. It's just all CG, well, not CG, but special effects. Um, I, I think practically the uh, the amount of energy you need to actually pull that trick off 
because obviously uh, to go from a cell to a fully grown human, you need you need raw materials, you need mass, you need uh, energy, you need to kind of feed all the processes and everything like everything's got to happen in the right order. I mean, it, it's 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 a pretty neat trick he pulls off. I think in in um, the other thing you've got to bear in mind is that uh, the the sexual cells that we have that are used to uh, you know do do general what you would call cloning which is obviously you know make make babies make new human beings those those um the you know the eggs and sperm are specifically designed to pass on genetic information without damage right i mean the kind of the whole the whole um mammalian sort of sexual reproduction system is designed to protect those cells and make sure that they they don't get damaged because when you get damaged that's when you get mutations that's when you can your mutation faults in the dna is what can lead to um you know diseases and uh, defects potentially and, you know sure. and, it, and if in fact you given given how hard it is to actually grow another creature it's amazing that that we have as many offspring as we do to be honest but when you um, think about cloning in general david that in the 90s we cloned a sheep. Uh, I, I, one guy cloned oh, uh, what, uh, an alligator or, uh, no, a lion, something, a tiger. He, he cloned this tiger. Yeah. And the first one he, no, was it a tiger? That, no, it was a horse. I'm sorry. He cloned this horse or a bull. Was it a bull? It was a bull. Finally, I, I got to the correct answer. He cloned a bull. The original bull was the most gentle, loyal bull he had ever had. Yeah. So he cloned it. It was an exact duplicate. It looked exactly the same. It was the same, except it wasn't because it had gouged him and it was it was a shitty bull. It didn't like him. And yeah. he raised it exactly the same. So cloning doesn't mean an exact copy. Genetic copy, maybe, but there's more to it than just yeah. genetics. I mean, there are, there are human clones walking around today. They're... Um, a certain type of identical twin. Mm-hmm. Well, that you know, they, those are created when the uh, the initially fertilized egg cell um, splits into two and creates two separate creatures. Those genetically identical twins are literally identical, right down to the DNA cell level. But you know, we all know um, identical twins who are uh, you know many of us know identical twins day. who are different. Yes. Yeah. So, but <laughs> you know. but putting that aside, we have created clones. Go yeah. back 100 years, David, and that would seem like science fiction. There's no way we could ever do that. Just 100 years ago. You know, go back to 1911. And yeah. imagine telling someone we cloned a horse. We cloned a sheep. We created in a lab an exact duplicate. That would have been Jules Verne way out there stuff. But we did that. At this point, we've done that 15 years ago. Where will we be 100 years from now? 2111. What we assume in this movie is science fiction. It can't be done for all the reasons that you gave. Do you think it's possible for us to develop the technology between now and 2111 to be able to accomplish that feat? Uh, I think without a doubt. I think the amount of investment going into understanding these processes and, you know, how it works, what needs to, to be done and everything is clearly, is clearly underway. And, and there are quite... 
everyone focuses on the ethical issues of creating a duplicate of me or you or anything like that. I, I, I'm trying to put that, to that aside that for this conversation. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I think actually that's kind of an that is kind of an aside because, frankly, who cares? Yeah, nobody is going to do that because what would be the benefit of doing that? You know, well, you, might, you could grow you, a body. You, you want to, let, let's say let's say you're yeah. you're you're seventy years old, David. And you've got uh, liver failure, and you've got maybe, with all your money, 20 years to live. So you clone yourself. You grow this clone from infancy to 20 years old. And then you transplant your brain into that clone's body. Uh, yeah. That I, I think more likely is, is what... Um, I mean, there was a, there was a movie that used this plot. I think, I think it was The Island. Yes. Where... Uh, the rich and famous basically have clones of themselves created, so they have a, a ready reservoir of spare parts. So right. if they need a, a transplant, they have uh, now. Now, not quite in that way, but that is how I see this technology developing. Where um, if you need a heart transplant, rather than going and waiting for somebody to die in a car crash and receive, they'll their just heart, grow you a new heart. They'll just basically will use your cells to grow a, you a new heart that will transplant. They're, they're into already you w- they're already working on that now. Yeah. They're looking at every aspect of the human body. You got bad teeth, they'll grow you brand new teeth, your teeth, and transplant them into your body. And it won't, these are not teeth that they had to grow an entire body to make. They will grow actual teeth yeah. in a test tube or in a and, whatever. And to me, I think that's, that's really much more of where this technology will probably go because that's where people can make real money. Um, I don't think uh, medical firms can see much of a market in um, growing whole human bodies because if you grow a whole human body, then the ethical issues of that is, you know, does that does a clone have rights? Uh, does it have rights to your identity? Is it the same as you? Do you, have, all to those take, issues, do you know? have to take orders from Darth Vader? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, 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 watched, I watched a great movie recently called Moon, which kind of wrestled with some of these where um, – uh, it, without, I want to go too much into plot, but the basis is a guy on a on a space base in on the moon. He's mining, um, and he finds out that there are that he's not the only guy with his face wandering around, uh, and it kind of deals with that um, and the ethical issues around that. And and one of the one of the characteristics of that movie is it's all being kept quiet because nobody wants to deal with those ethical issues. Um, and I think I think anybody who who the first person who comes out and says, and here I've created a human clone is going to deal with so much negative publicity and ethical questions. I don't think any legitimate um, pharmaceutical or medical company want to go, go down that route without having a very, very good reason to want to do it. Now, what's going to happen is, is be interesting is if if you have the technology to grow teeth or a heart or something like that, it's fine. Um, But the question is, is if you have certain, bodily functions that can't be grown in the test tube but have to be grown in a live subject and there's going to be pressure from that from that respect i would have thought you know if you need to have um you know there are some things that for whatever reason you can't grow in the, the test time uh, well to either test on or, or to replace in in you know if i need a, sec- a section of your brain you're in a car yeah, accident that's right now if i need that that transplant and and really you know you can't imagine them growing a whole brain in a test tube and even if you did it wouldn't be functioning because um there's nothing inside of it yes there's nothing inside it yeah it doesn't have a it doesn't have a purpose if it's not attached to a body so that at that point people are going to say oh maybe she'll grow the body to 
kind of give it something to do and, and make sure it functions when you do the transplant, then difficult, very yeah. difficult. I think the the whole concept of cloning is obviously this is we're in the infancy of cloning in this world, and it's only going to get better and better and better. The technology itself, uh, and again, putting the ethical things aside, I think as a human species, um, it's brilliant, and we need yeah. it. And I think it's the the key to solving a lot of the problems that we're going to deal with going forward as a species. Um, but, you know, that being said, Starman, it's a good movie. The way they do it in the movie <clears throat> is still science fiction. We can't, we can't replicate that. I mean, we can't replicate the ship that crashed. We can't replicate this ball of energy that can move on its own. Um, but putting all that aside, just the, the cloning technology in the movie, I'm going to say entirely feasible. I think it's feasible. I don't think it, it'll ever be as simple as the movie industry likes to. Um, well, they have. Train. Well, they think, have a budget I, <laughs> in a time yeah, frame. Well, yeah, but uh, no, yeah, that's right. But I, but I think in real life it will carry much higher risk, much higher risk of failure or um, unforeseen uh, medical problems coming down the line. Because I don't think it's ever going to be the perfect photocopy type process. I think it's always going to be slightly imperfect. Maybe not quite as good as the original. Um, subject to weird things that uh, you know. I mean, Dolly the sheep died um, of, a, of a strange, unknown disease that was obviously something got in as part of the cloning process that meant she wasn't viable for forever um, or for a normal. But that technology is only getting so, better. I mean, it, it's it, it, it is. But I, I think I think it's not just a case of technology. I think there's some fundamental bits of understanding about how all these things work that we still don't really have a handle on. I was, and I think it's going to take a long time of development and experimentation to get us to the point where you can just, you know, 90% of the time you can produce the perfect clone. I was watching something that they talked about in the very near future, probably within our lifetimes, David, unless we get hit by a bus, that we're not going to go to the store and bought meat buy meat uh really good quality meat that actually came from a cow that we're almost there now that we can grow our meat and you take off the need to have a huge herd of animals and killing the animals and disposing of the the parts that we don't use and the moral and ethical things that that brings up. I like steak. You like steak. I yeah. don't want to go slaughter a cow to get my steak. Yeah, but you know what? When I hear that, I always one phrase pops immediately into my head: "Soylent Green is people." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. So with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Go, uh, yeah. Go look Soylent Green up on Wikipedia. Anyone who doesn't yeah. understand that. <laughs> well, well, I think we're going to wrap up uh, Tech Fan Number uh, Forty One. And we'll be back in a week. Uh, I think we're going to have this technology in the movies um, probably every three or four episodes. We're not going to do it every week. Yeah. Uh, but this is going to be a recurring theme that we're going to have on the show. So if you've got a movie that you would like David and I to explore and talk about the technology of that movie, and it doesn't have to be a movie. It could also be a television show. Uh, send us an email yeah. to feedback at mymac.com. And we will absolutely talk about it on the show. I've I've seen so many movies over the years, David, that I probably don't even have to rent the movie that they're gonna. 
And look, I, a lot of people are saying, <laughs> oh, I figured you guys are going to start with, like, Star Trek. Yeah. It's... Hmm. Yeah, I, I think... I think We'll get to Star more, Trek eventually, but it's, to will, me, it's but just not yeah. that interesting. It, but it's because everything is, is kind of magical in that. Um, it, it, what's good about this is you talk about one particular thing, and, and you know, we, it's good to be able to draw a parallel with with what goes on in our world as opposed to what goes on to a fancy world. So, David, um, I picked Star, or Starman, so the next movie that we pick, um, let's pick yours, and then the one after that, we'll pick one from the listeners. Okay. I think uh, Terms of Endearment will be the next movie. <laughs> so if you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, leave us a message. We'll play that audio right here on the show. Our phone number is one eight zero one. Nine three eight five 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 nine. Now, if you can't remember that, just go up to the MyMac website, look for any tech fan, and it will be right there in the show notes, right under contact the show. We'd love to get your guys' audio feedback and play it right here. Um, and of course, the the email address again is feedback at mymac.com. David, you are on Twitter. I am. I am at David B Cohen, and I am at mymac. So, with that, we're going to wrap up. Technology Fanatics number 41. Nice talking to you, David. Speak to you soon.